I really love, uh, really love that song. I'd have to change it up for myself because there's no chance in the world I'd ever be center field. It's way, <laughs> way too much running, way too slow. Uh, there's a few food items left back there. They went quickly because they were delicious. There's a cinnamon roll cake uh, you will not be disappointed in with like a cream cheese icing. And there is a vegan uh, banana muffin type deal that has also gone super quickly. My wife made it. And uh, I'm assuming it's good because we had quite a few and now there's only one left. So uh, somebody liked them. So if you want to try that, you want to film me, if you want to get up and go grab a snack real quick. Uh, you know, speaking of cooking, my girls love to help their mom cook. Absolutely love it. Every time she's in the kitchen, they run in there to join her. They ask to join her. Mommy, can we help you? Mommy, I want to help. Mommy, let me do this. Mommy, let me do that. And generally, um, she lets them. But the problem is that their mom, Jerrica, doesn't always love being helped. Because sometimes when she's being helped, it's more of a hindrance. Anybody ever been there before? Someone's trying to help you and you're like, hey, it would really help me if you'd stop helping me. <laughs> like, you're, you're not making this better. You're just making this more stressful. You're making this worse. Uh, if you really want to help, go away. The problem is, really that they, they both just want to complete each and every step. So Jerrica starts to do something like Cordelia will try to grab it out of her hand and then Winifred will try to grab it out of Cordelia's hand and then pretty soon there's some yelling that happens from one of them because something exploded. And it could be any one of the three. Usually I think it's Winifred, but um, you know, it is what it is. Ultimately, what's happening is that they're all trying to fill the same role. As the saying goes, there's too many cooks in the kitchen which can cause confusion, frustration, and yes, at times, anger. Now, strong teams have defined roles because roles, not roles like you eat. I know we were just talking about cooking. This is roles that ends in an E. Strong teams have defined roles because roles provide clarity, direction, and give purpose. I might also argue that strong teams might have really good roles as well. Like if, they, if somebody brings Texas Roadhouse, I'm going to get along with you much better. I'm not going to lie. But today we're going to be looking at a few examples from scripture where we see roles being defined. We're going to break them down a little bit, and then we're going to see what we can learn from them. Why are roles important? What, what, what's the whole thing about? We're going to start in Ephesians 4. Uh, we'll look at a few other singular verses, uh, but Ephesians 4 and 5 is where we're going to mainly stay today. We're going to start in verse 9. We'll go to 13. This is what it says. What does he extended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He, talking about Jesus, who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. The first thing that we learn about successful teams from this passage, if you break it down, you study it a little bit, is that successful teams have a clear hierarchy. Successful teams have a clear hierarchy. You see, Christ is the head. I think that should always be the case for any team that you're on. And that's just my personal opinion. Whether it's your marriage, it's your relationship with your kids, it's your family, it's work, it's church, obviously. Uh, I think anytime you're on a team, if Christ is the head of that team, if the person leading that team is looking for direction from Christ himself, trying to live 
in a Christ-like manner, I think that that team has a better chance of being successful just from the get-go. Okay, I just feel that way. Scripture makes it clear, obviously, in this instance, that Christ is the head, and from him he has created these roles for others. He gave himself, um, he himself gave is what it says. We might say appointed. This is where the idea of calling comes from, right? That, that Christ calls us to fill certain roles in life. Really, it's a belief that God has set apart certain people to fulfill specific kingdom building functions, right? And if each person can fulfill their role within a team as successfully as they possibly can, if they can focus on their role and hone in on what their role needs, then you're going to overall have a successful team. You're going to experience the unity of Christ as this passage talks about. You'll get to see what the body of Christ actually looks like when everything and every part is where it should be and moving together. As they're listed, we see a specified order and hierarchy. You have the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Pastors and teachers share the same articles, so we know they're on the same level, but here I am, lowly on the pecking order, right? And we're going to break those roles down. We'll look at them a little bit more, I should say, here in just a little bit. But if we look at other examples in Scripture where a hierarchy is established, Ephesians 5.23 says, For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. We're going to look at Ephesians 5 here in a little bit, so I'm not just leaving it there, but that's the only part I'm going to read for now. Ephesians 6.1 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Ephesians 5.6 says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters. I might say employees, obey your boss or obey management with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ, just as you would obey Christ. When we look at these things. You obey your manager just as you would Christ. You honor your parents in the Lord for this is right. Trust me, I know at times that can be difficult. I'm probably going to get a call from my mom later about saying that. Right? We look at, at, at husband and wife relationships. It's supposed to mimic the relationship that Christ has with the church. Christ is at the center of all these things. We look at this, we understand that hierarchy provides direction. Now, we already talked about having a clear direction for a team, right? And we talked about it last time in week one. It was about our forward direction. Where are we headed? In this instance, it's not as much about where we're headed, more about who's leading us to that point. Who's getting us to the goal? Who's helping us cross the finish line? So in this instance, we're looking at who, who's leading us. When we have questions, when we need answers, when we need support, our direction is upward with the hierarchy, right? We look to the person above us to help lead our next steps, our next direction. For the clergyman, it's God. For the wife, it's the husband. For the child, it's their parent. For the worker, it's management as designed by God. Clear and defined structure allows us to act quickly and efficiently. When you hit a speed bump, you don't know where to go next. You go to that next level up, right? Tier two support. And they help guide you down the right path. They offer advice. They offer support. But here's the thing about hierarchy. Hierarchy doesn't hold a team hostage. 
hierarchy does not hold a team hostage. You know, I learned a long time ago, especially in ministry, that a hierarchy should never be a monarchy. It's really important. A hierarchy should never be a monarchy. There's always someone to look for, to look to for leadership on a team. I think that that's absolutely true. But the best teams, if you ask me, are ones that are collaborative in nature. Ones where the person at the top of the hierarchy is looking for input from everyone that is below them. And ones where everyone below the person that's at the top of the hierarchy feels like they can approach that person with input, constructive criticism, suggestions, and feel valued while doing so. The best teams are where leaders are seeking input from their subordinates and frankly, don't see subordinates as lesser than or beneath them, but just as another cog in the wheel that makes their process run. Now, we each have a role to play. We each are a cog in some wheel. It's why Crosspoint functions through a leadership team and not just the head pastor. Because this isn't my church, it's our church. And for the size of church that we have, I'll tell you, our leadership team is as big as many leadership teams for much larger churches. But I feel that that foundation is important because there are multiple voices giving multiple opinions, multiple outlooks, multiple perspectives. We make decisions together. See, because I don't know if you guys know this or not, but I don't always have the best ideas. Sometimes I don't have any. Some of the best things that we've done as a church have happened because of others' input. And if I tried to rule our church with an iron fist, we would miss out on the blessing that God has for us. If I, as a husband, tried to rule my household with an iron fist, if I treated it like it was a monarchy, like God has appointed me as the head of the wife, and thy children shall honor me, and I walk around stomping, which I do just because I'm a heavy person, so it sounds loud anyways, but I just walk around throwing my weight around, which could be dangerous. Well, we're not doing that because I said so. First of all, Jerrica would kill me. She's scarier than I am. I don't know if you've ever known that. She's feisty. I love you. I'm just telling you, it wouldn't work out so well for me. My monarchy would end, and another ruler would take the throne. Am I in trouble? I'm in trouble. I'm going to pass. If you are working somewhere and you're in management and you have people working beneath you and you're just critical and you just knock them down and you just want to show that you're in charge and you're just trying to throw your weight around and it's all about you and not about the team, you are going to very quickly lose the support of those around you. And the thing that I have learned in my life, especially as a pastor, is that I am only as good as the people around me. And I have been blessed to be surrounded with people who have a heart for Jesus, who have a heart for others, who are not afraid to say, hey, you're messing up, but are doing so out of love, are doing so because they want me to be built up and not to be torn down. 
As a leader, you're only as good as the people that you surround yourself with. And if you can't see them as more important than you, then you need to step back from that leadership role. Because the scripture tells us the first will be last and the last will be first. Who's important? What's important? My leadership style at times can not be great for some because I'm pretty hands-off. I'm not hands-off because I don't care. I'm not hands-off because I don't have my own ideas. I'm not hands-off because I don't have opinions or inclinations on which way to lean one way or the other. I'm pretty hands-off because I believe in the people that we have and the roles that we have them in. And I know that they are capable and I know that they don't need me. My first inclination is to offer support. If someone from our team comes and says, I want to make this decision, unless it's just like, I'd like us to switch to worshiping the devil, something along those lines, you know what I'm going to say? Let's do it. I've got your back, 100%. Because there's trust. Because there's belief. Because they're the foundation on which I stand. If they want an opinion, if they need advice, if they want help, I will certainly offer it. And yes, there are still times where I may offer different things without being asked. But always my first inclination is to put people first. To put people first. Roles also provide purpose. Roles provide purpose. We've talked about the importance of purpose on a team as well. Why are we doing what we're doing? Have you ever been in a situation where you're just kind of like wandering around and you know you should probably be doing something, you should help in some way, but you don't know exactly what to do? If you're a man, this happens for you more often, I guarantee it, right? Because your wife is like, I always think of like Thanksgiving or certain holidays like that. Like my wife is around, she's doing all the things, she's planning all the things, she, she's like figured out the menu and I'm just kind of like there doing this. Like, tell me what, to, what do I do now? Tell me what to do now. And it's one of those things where like, I think I'm helping but it's probably more of a hindrance. Eventually she's just like, hey, get away from me. That will help me the most. But having a defined role, having a stated purpose helps you avoid all of that. It helps to avoid the meandering. It helps to avoid the helplessness. It provides purpose. You see, there's a reason that our passage in Ephesians 4 delineates between the different roles because those different roles serve different purposes. If we look at the apostles, they ensured that the church was what Jesus declared it to be. They were sort of the foundation keepers. They carried their message with the authority of God as they helped build the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Christ from the foundation up. And then we have evangelists. Evangelists would actually mimic today's missionaries. They would go, they would spread the gospel, they would help build churches. And once they had a strong foundation in the different places that they went, they would turn that leadership over to a teacher, over to a pastor, whose role was to focus on established faith communities, which we call church. And then you had the prophets 
which would forecast the future for the church. They would speak on messages delivered to them directly from God. This is what's next. This is what we need to be looking to do. This is the direction that we must go towards. Each role different, each role unique, but each role as equally important, as equally important to the success of the kingdom of God. And we look at their roles, the purpose that they were given was all with one charge, to equip people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure and the fullness of Christ. Roles also pave the way for successful outcomes. Roles pave the way for successful outcomes. You see, the successful outcome, that's a hard word to say when you have a borderline lisp. The successful outcomes for followers of Christ is to obtain the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, to be as Christ-like as possible, to have as very little separation as can be. So when people actually look at you, they see Christ. Some of you are thinking, they look at me, they don't see Christ. That's a problem. I've been there too. I'm there more often than I should be. But that's the goal, to obtain the fullness of Christ so that when the world looks around, they are seeing Christ move. They are seeing Christ love. They are seeing Christ work. They are seeing Christ when each of us fills a role that others can't, or when each of us fills a role that others now don't have to, it furthers our chances at bringing others into the kingdom and into the fullness of Christ. And it does so by allowing us to be more centralized on individual tasks. I want you to think about work for a minute. I used to work in a, a remote programming department for a secure local security company. I loved the job. It was honestly a lot of fun. I worked with great people and I was known for just kind of hitting the ground running. I would put pump out sometimes quadruple the tickets that others would. That's not to brag. That's just to say that kind of became my role. I'm going to take care of as much as I can when there becomes a, a, a deeper issue, something that needs more experience, something that requires more knowledge base, something that requires more time, that would go to my manager, right? And he was great at that. He would break a problem down from all angles. He would figure out what it needed. He would figure out how to fix it. He would always come up with a solution. Sometimes it would take him a couple hours. Sometimes it would take him a couple days. But because I was able to do what I was able to do, he was able to do what he was able to do and vice versa. Is that to say he couldn't have done all the little things that I was doing? Of course he could. Is that to say that I wasn't capable of figuring out the problems that he was? I absolutely was. But we had roles and they allowed for us to be as a group, as a team, extremely successful. 
extremely productive. We saved our company lots of money. We were celebrated. All because neither one of us got too big for our britches. All because neither one of us looked at each other's role and said, well, I want that. We were able to find happiness in what it is that we were called to do. We look at our church. We've got Chelsea in the kids area. Zoe's over finances. Joy is handling administrative tasks. Would you look at all three of those things? If I was having to do any of them, we would have imploded a long time ago. We just would have. Phil over worship. Dave and Evan and others working in the booth, killing it every Sunday. Jessica's focusing on hospitality. She helped to start to to clean the church. We got Zoe, I know, helping with that now. Every individual that brings food on Sundays and Wednesdays. Again, every individual that would help clean the church throughout the week and that does. Those that serve in the kids area. Some of these things may seem like big things and some of them may seem small. But all of them are important. You see, there have been weeks where I've walked in on a Sunday morning and whether I should be or not, I've been embarrassed about the condition of our floor or our rugs or our bathroom. They weren't the cleanest. You could see little dust bunnies. You could see leftover crumbs of food. You could tell that people have been walking on the rugs over and over again, which yes, is their purpose. But I come in on Sunday mornings with the intent of building relationships with you all because one, that's what I love to do. And my hope is that we'll carry that relationship outside of these four walls, that if you ever need something or you want prayer, you'll contact me, you'll reach out to me because we'll have that connection. And to come up here and preach and deliver a message that hopefully God speaks through all of my flaws to help change the way that you see life, to help improve the way that you live life, to help you chase and get towards the fullness of Christ. But I would come in on those Sunday mornings and I'd feel like, oh, I've got a sweep, I've got a vacuum, I've got to clean the bathroom, I've got to stock toilet paper, I've got to put paper towels up, I've got to do all these things. Is that task beneath me? Absolutely not. It's actually the one I'm probably most qualified for. It is absolutely not beneath me. And honestly, I enjoy doing it, frankly. So I'm one of those, I like to see progress. That's why I like to mow my yard. You can see progress happening. It's not that that job is beneath me. It's not that I shouldn't be doing it. But it's that in those instances, I have other things that I need to be focusing on. I have other things that I need to have my attention. And when one role isn't filled, it spills over to me or to others. And now their role is seeing divided attention. And all of us, all of us are bivocational. So it's not like our role gets the attention that any of us would desire for it to have in the first place. Is this a guilt trip? Absolutely not. But it's to show you that even the smallest things, even the things that may not seem like that big of a deal can have kingdom sized consequences. There is no job too small. There is no role not worth filling. 
There is not one of you who are doing something for this church that it goes overlooked. And you need to know that and you need to be celebrated. They are all equally important because every role that is filled is something that at the very least, someone else doesn't have to worry about. And when this happens, that's when we start to find unity as a team. It works that way in our marriage. It works that way with our kids. It works that way at work. It works that way at church. It just works that way. I promised that we'd look a little deeper at Ephesians 5. We're going to do that 22 through 33. Wives, submit to your husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ has loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. For he who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and they care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Wives, submit to your husbands as you do to the Lord. It's a really powerful statement. It also, in a lot of circles, is a controversial one. You know, as a pastor, I get asked to do a lot of weddings. And one of the things that almost everybody asks me to leave out of vows or to not mention is wives submitting to their husband. Can you not say that part? Early on, I'd be like, yeah, of course, no. Now I'm like, no, I'm going to say it. I'll explain it, though. I'll explain it, though. You see, wives, submit to your husbands as you do to the Lord. A better translation might be as attributed to the Lord. You aren't submitting to that big, hairy oaf for his sake. You're doing it for the Lord. You're doing that as a show of obedience to God. Because this is what he has designed for marriage. So you're called to respect your husband. You're called to honor your husband. You're called to submit to your husband. But husbands, remember that hierarchy is not a monarchy. And we are called to be leaders, not so that we can rule over our spouses or rule over our houses or rule over our kids. We're called to be leaders so that we can point the spiritual boat in our lives. So that through us, through the way that we live our life, our kids and our wives see Jesus. And through the way that they see Jesus in us, they crave also Jesus. It would be naive for husbands to say, we always fill that role. 
And sometimes the wife fills that role. I can tell you in my household, that happens occasionally. Sometimes more often than not. And I'm not saying that as a slight necessarily on myself, but just to say that there is an ebb and there is a flow. But the goal, the goal is for you as men to represent Christ in such a way, to lead in such a way that your relationship with your wife mimics Christ's relationship with his church. And remember, Christ sacrificed for his church. He put his church first. He died for his church. He put his church on a pedestal. He gave away everything that he had to make sure that his church was in the best position. To make sure that his church was glorified. So roles, they help set and maintain expectations. You see, when we have a clear idea of what's expected of us, like what's painted here in Ephesians 5, and others have a clear expectation of what's expected of us, that helps improve the unity of a team. My wife and I, sorry, you're my wife, you're going to get used as examples. I, I don't think we fight very often. Am I wrong? No? Okay. I'm just saying, she might be like, you're an idiot. You fight me all the time. Um, I don't think we fight very much. We don't. I mean, I, I've seen married couples who fight a lot. Uh, we're not that. But we get in disagreements from time to time. We get in arguments from time to time. Yes, sometimes there are raised voices. That's natural in a marriage. I have found that most often that occurs when a silent expectation has not been met. She has an expectation for me that maybe she gave me all the clues, maybe I should have known it, but I missed the boat. And that angers her. The shoe's on the other foot. I'm sure I probably have not communicated it at all. But I still expect her to do a certain thing or behave a certain way in a certain situation or who knows what. But that is when the conflict arises. When we have these silent expectations for one another that hasn't been voiced. When we have parameters for one another that haven't been discussed, that haven't been laid out. And we get frustrated and angry with one another because those things are not being met. And that happens all over the place. It happens a lot in churches with the head pastor. Somebody wants a certain thing to be done and the head pastor's not doing it, but they've never told them. They've never voiced it. They've never expressed the desire. That happens all the time in work. And oftentimes it trickles down, right? The person at the head has these expectations for management. Management didn't get it done, but they didn't know they were supposed to get it done. Now they become mad at their workers because it didn't get done and it reflects poorly on them, but they've never expressed that it was supposed to be done and taken care of, and it just trickles down. We see it all over the place. Roles help set and maintain expectations. Because as I've just expressed, Oftentimes what happens when there's a breakdown in a team because 
oh, this role wasn't fulfilled. You didn't do it the right way. It's because there's been a breakdown in communication between the teammates. And what happens when that happens is we start to focus on what they're not doing versus what they are doing. That can become especially problematic in a marriage or even in a relationship with kids or even at work or even at church. Now it becomes all about, well, they didn't do this and they didn't do this and they didn't do this. Here's a giant mountain of other things they've done. But I wanted these three things to be done and they weren't. So now I'm mad. Now I'm frustrated. Now it's all I can focus on. We have to communicate. We have to focus on the good. And roles will help us get there. Because what else happens is we start to compare what we're accomplishing versus what they're accomplishing, right? The example I gave earlier about my coworker, previous coworker, it could have been really easy for me to say, look at all these tickets I'm doing. I've got pages and pages and pages, and he doesn't. That's only one factor. It doesn't take into account all of the other issues that went into that. It becomes really easy to focus on all the good we're doing when we're frustrated with someone else. You know, I could sit here and say, well, I'm writing a sermon every week, and, and Phil never does. And Phil would say, yeah, I'm the worship leader. Oh, yeah. Right? And we could look and we could say, Chelsea's almost never in service. Here's the thing, she'd like to be, but she always, always has to be over there. She's filling a role over there that no one else is filling. She's teaching our kids about Jesus. And since she started, I can tell you guys, I've seen so much growth in my own children. She is doing great things. She is spreading the kingdom of God right next door. When roles are in place and when we understand those roles, we don't get mad about Phil not writing sermons. Phil doesn't get mad at me for not coming up here and grabbing the keyboards on Sunday morning. He's actually really happy I don't. When roles are in place, it removes infighting that often occurs inside of a team, which again allows us to move quickly towards completing our common goal, which as a Christian, in all things we do, is for people to experience Christ through us. It's for us to get the full measure of Christ so that others see him through the way that we live our lives. I appreciate you hanging with me I went way over today. Uh, oh, well, I've got the mic in your face. No, I'm just kidding. I do apologize for that. But thanks for hanging with me. Hopefully you guys got something out of this message. God has been working through me uh, and in me all week with this message. I stopped adding stuff to it literally this morning. Um, I just felt like God kept pouring into my spirit. And so I hope that through this you see kind of the importance of, of having a role in your life and defining roles in the different relationships that you have. Whether it be mom and dad, husband, wife, employee, manager, whatever that relationship may be. If, it, if you're struggling right now in some area, I would challenge you to take a look at this. 
because I feel like so often when there's conflict, it's because of this very thing, because we just don't quite know what everyone is expecting from us and how we fit together. We can be a bunch of really awesome scattered parts, but if we're never put together the right way, we're not going to be the machine that we're supposed to be. I'm going to pray. God, I come to you right now. I thank you for this day. I thank you for the church that you've given us. I thank you for the people that are here, for the blessing that they are. I thank you for those that you've sent us that are in leadership at our church that are filling different roles. They aren't always celebrated. It's not always seen. I'm sure that oftentimes it's worth more than what we can pay them and sometimes they don't get paid at all. But God, just like wives respect their husbands, out of love for you, we do what we do because we love you. And we are a bunch of imperfect people, but the goal is for us to experience the fullness of Christ. The goal is for us to build the body of Christ. The goal is for people to see Christ through us as individuals and as a church and in what we're doing every Sunday, every Wednesday night, and all other times throughout the week. Help us to have a heart that chases after Jesus. That doesn't find satisfaction elsewhere, but in the role that has been defined for us in the here and now. May we learn to trust you. May we learn to follow you. May we learn to find happiness in our circumstances. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. If you need to come pray with me, I'll be right here down front. If you need to talk to me about a relationship with Jesus, absolutely come do so. Stand with us now and let's just worship God.